Welcome, everybody, today. So good to be in God's house together. And we have a unique and exciting uh, message for you guys today that I'll talk more about that here in just a moment. But first, let me look into the camera and say a big hello to all those joining us online, along with all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. We love you guys. We believe in you. We're cheering you on. So come on, Defiance. Help me welcome our church family today. It's awesome. Well, as we kind of get into to things today, um, the theme for our, our message or talk today is hope in the dark. And how many of us know that we serve a God who can bring hope to our hearts even when we find ourselves in some dark places? We're going to kind of unpack that through uh, God's word and a testimony and some Q&A today. And so uh, let me introduce some friends, some ministry partners that we have here at Experience Church. It's my honor and privilege to introduce to you today Dave and Linda Everly. Come on, give them a hand. Welcome them to the stage. And to kind of start things off, I would love for, for you guys to tell everyone where you live and, and what you do. Okay. I experienced... Well, I thought we were on. We are on. Yeah, we are. Okay. Hi, Experience Church. Um, it is just such an honor and privilege to be here with you this morning. This spirit is working in a beautiful way here, and that's very evident to us, and we've been so blessed to be here. Um, Dave and I live in Halibut Cove, Alaska. We are the co-founders of a ministry called The Respite at Halibut Cove. And this ministry is primarily targeting um, pastors, ministry leaders, their spouses, and we're providing a place for them to get away from their regular hectic pace and to just stop, take a breath, rest and recalibrate and talk about what their pace looks like um, we believe that Jesus set a precedent for this actually in Mark chapter six, where he had sent his disciples out to the villages to minister, to preach, and they came back to him. They reported all that they had done and they were exhausted and they were hungry. And rather than patting them on the back and saying, good job now, go get back out there. Jesus said, come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest. And in Mark 6.32, the scriptures say that they got into a boat and they went to a wilderness place or a remote place. And that's literally what we do with the men and women who fly up to Alaska to visit us. We pick you up at the little airport in Homer, Alaska. There's no security. You just kind of wonder what's going on and where did I... It's bizarro world, right? You get on a plane somewhere and you end up in this little place. Uh, and we get in our boat, the Alaska Rose, go across Kachemak Bay. You saw some footage uh, while we were being introduced. And uh, we live on, a, on, a, on an island that's eight square miles. Last winter, there were 19 of us. And I'm doing something about the overcrowding. Just, <laughs> I'll get there. Yeah, I'm working on it. I've got a plan. <laughs> There's no roads, no cars. There's a lot of... There's a lot of quiet. And you know what quiet does for you? It gives you opportunity to hear a voice that maybe you just haven't heard in a long time. There's something about being still in order to know I am. Yeah. And we get to live in that place. It's not an easy life. I'm loving 
you know, dressing in just sneakers and jeans and like, I have no responsibilities but to get up here and talk about something I love. Our life, uh, most of the time, is pretty hard. I mean, we have extreme tides. Uh, we have to go to town to get our groceries. If you don't feel like cooking, too bad, we got to cook because we don't have any restaurants. It's, it's awesome. We get to welcome uh, men and women to that place. But before you start asking us questions, I wanted to ask you questions because, as Linda said, something's happening here. And we noticed it. We're, we're in different churches, and uh, we get to see how people are and what's going on. There's a spirit here that's uh, pretty important. Pay attention. Yeah. So the question I have for you guys is, can we be members of Experience Church? <laughs> Honorary members, get a T-shirt or something, because... How about we, sit, we spend the summers in Alaska, winters here? Yeah. We'll, we'll uh, make a trade. Well, can you do better than what's happening outside right now, honestly? <laughs> we'll plant, we'll plant uh, experience south for you, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's our honor and our privilege to be here, and uh, we're getting to know your pastors. They're amazing people. Do what you can, and here's what that is. Pray for them, lift them up, give them a hug, encourage them. Tell them about the victories that you're seeing in and around your lives because God's doing something here. So thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah, and it's an honor and privilege to have you guys. And, you know, to answer your question, I think God does something beautiful when we just come as we are with all of our stuff and all of our questions and all of our issues that we all have. And we just, maybe like me, we've tried everything else and we're ready. God, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. And when we just come as, as we are and we're ready to listen and whatever you want to do, we sang that this morning, whatever you want to do, God, here I am. And I think there's just a move of God's presence because there's a, a hearts that are hungry for, for something real, genuine, uh, that's not man-made. And so I feel like we're just in the middle of seeing God do something really powerful and special. Baptisms were incredible. And, and so uh, thank you for speaking into that. And as we kind of talk about your guys' story and, and I just was even reminded, like even the season, the calendar season that we're in, you know, in the holiday season with, you know, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas uh, rapidly, rapidly uh, approaching, you know, it's a time of year when, you know, we're supposed to be full of joy and peace and fulfillment and celebrating meaningful relationships and, and drawing our hearts closer to God as we celebrate the birth of, of our King. It's a time of, of the year where uh, maybe we're binge watching Hallmark Christmas movies movies that are perfect and, and everything is, I'm like, where are these towns where these people live where everything is perfect? And um, You're no oh, fun to watch them with, by the way. I am not. I start coming, I'm like, oh, oh, wow, they just do that. They smile and they have a perfect marriage. We should do that, babe. And uh, I, yeah, I'm no fun at all. <laughs> uh, and now she doesn't ask me to, to watch them with her, so it worked. I'll just say that. Maybe, maybe it's a time of year where you bust out some of the classic Christmas movies, like It's a Wonderful Life, or White Christmas, or Miracle on 34th Street, like some of the, the, the oldies but goodies, uh, you know, movies like The National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Come on, where are my, where are my real people at, right? Or my ultimate favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard, right? You just tells the Christmas story like no other, but you know, for some, some people, and a lot of people, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and that's awesome, but the reality is for a lot of people, it's the most difficult time of the year. Maybe through loss or hardship, or we just find ourselves in a difficult season, and actually stats and statistics show that um, addiction, depression, 
um, and hopelessness all increase during the holiday season, and it, which is why I love what you guys do because uh, hopelessness and finding ourselves in dark places doesn't just happen around the holidays. It can happen at any time, and so it's one of the things I love about what you guys do to provide a place where people who find themselves in a dark place can go and just hear that still small voice uh, that brings hope to the hopeless, and uh, but also too your story, your your testimony is one where you found yourselves in a dark place through burnout, uh, through just seasons of depletion. Uh, in that those seasons caused you guys ended up making some some poor choices to say the least, and uh, caused you to um, you know Dave, you were a pastor leading a church, and you lost. Uh, you were in both in ministry, you lost your ministry, you lost your families, and you found yourself in a, in a dark and desperate place, and yet but God. And I know that was 20 years ago, but um, we, we just, we wanted to kind of go on that journey because the truth is all of us can find ourselves in a, in a dark place. We, we, we've all made mistakes, and we can all find ourselves like, is there hope for me? Is there a way out? Of this, and so we want. I know we won't have time to unpack all of your story today, um, but we hopefully scratch the surface and, and really hear what God has done. So I'll turn it over to Pastor Justine, and we kind of can jump into it. Maybe uh, we'd love to hear from you, just um, for those in the room or maybe watching online that find themselves in a dark place. And some of us, it's choices that we've made, and now here we are in a dark place. We can't see our way out or how God could possibly bring back hope or get us past this. To others, the trial just came knocking at your door. You didn't ask for it, but here you are in a dark place. When you walk through that dark season, what are some of the emotions that you have to navigate in a season like that? Well, for me, um, and I was raised in church, and I, I knew the way, and I stepped off that path. Um, so extreme regret, um, shame, loneliness, deep pain that I'd never experienced before, almost a sitting in stunned disbelief at pretty much how I managed to blow my life up in my face, yeah. Yeah, and for me, same, <laughs> same range of emotions, but <clears throat> for me it wasn't, um, and the question I think contains the word consideration, like, um, and for me there was this moment of realizing that I hadn't been considering and paying attention to what was going on in my heart, and so then I realized that what I had been doing was justifying, it was justification for my actions or my inactions that could perhaps get me back on track and just leaving those things alone out of fear and uh, out of lack of being willing to be vulnerable and to tell people around me, because I was the pastor, you know, I was the guy, so I, didn't, I couldn't show weakness, I thought. And thankfully that's changing in churches now. I appreciate that deeply. Uh, but I should have said to someone, you know, I'm struggling, I need some help. But fear was a big one for me. Yeah, that's good. And, and, and that's the reality. I think all of us at times have dealt with shame. All of us have felt alone, like we're the only ones going through what we're going through. No one will understand how I feel. And so we begin to isolate and we begin to distance or, or fear of what if I did 
tell somebody? What would they do with the information that I would share with them? Would they use it to hurt me? Would they judge me? Would they criticize me? And so the, the natural response is just to, to keep it in, to not deal with it, to, to cover it up. And, and in that, um, how many of the enemy just has his way with us when we do that? You're not good enough. If you told anybody that no one would ever really love you if they knew who you really were. Anybody else besides me dealt with these kinds of thoughts? And so that's why we're talking about hope in the dark. And even though maybe our story might be different than Dave and Linda's, we all, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. We all deal with similar things, maybe in different ways. And so in, in that, you, you know, what advice would you guys uh, maybe give to, to those who might be considering um, stepping outside of God's plan. Like, Linda, you share, like, I grew up in church, I knew the way, I knew the right thing, yet I still, I still went outside of God's plan. What would you say to, to those who are facing that same situation? I think the first step is don't isolate. Who, what was the name of the last person baptized? Kyle? Corey, Corey sorry, I know it was something like that. Be, be like Corey, go get involved in a group. Be vulnerable with people and, and allow them to come alongside you and tell them these things. I think that's really, that's really a big key. Well, you bring up Corey's um, baptism this morning. I thought one of, probably one of the most powerful things about that baptism was all of his small group came down. All the men came down to celebrate what God's doing in his life. And so it's... You talk about community, you know. How many of us, not, not, everybody, not everybody has to know our issues, but somebody needs to know our issues. I need to have somebody I can take off the mask and say, hey, here's what's really going on. Here's, here's what I'm, I'm going through. It's really good. Yeah, uh, for me too, isolation. Like stepping back, I'm, I can't let anybody else know about this. And it, it's not always a conscious thought. And see, this is how the enemy works, and this is why some of his tactics take us by surprise sometimes, because we're not paying attention. And so daily, uh, some kind of a daily inventory to wake up and say, where's my heart today? What's going on in my mind? What am I dissatisfied with? Uh, what's, creating this, what's creating this grumpy spirit in me? And I have to help Linda with that all the time. <laughs> and she says, it's you. You're creating the... Uh, so, so here we are, back to square one. Uh, yes, I noticed that too with uh, Corey with the group, and um, it's powerful. It's powerful. The enemy, as we were saying, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is no good there. Doesn't have any of your best interest in mind. The Father loves you and has all that is for you in mind. And it's a matter of uh, paying attention to that regularly, every day. What, what encouragement maybe would you give to those that are in the room or watching online today that are, find themselves in a dark season? Obviously, you're outside of that. We, we go through patterns, we go through seasons, all of us, but um, what, would, what encouragement could you give everyone today listening? The encouragement I give you is a scripture and it's Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And what's intriguing to me about the beginning of verse two there, the people walking in darkness, that almost has a connotation of, I've chosen to go this way. I didn't get thrust into the darkness. 
I didn't get snatched off my perfect path. I'm walking in the darkness. And there's another scripture that says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, even if I've chosen to go here, because why? Because you're with me. It's that light. And we know a lot about light and how you need it, because right now it's super dark where we're from. And um, there's something magical about light. Emmanuel, God with us, just brings this light into our lives. Yeah, I would say my encouragement is um, we sometimes we go into these painful places and it's so distressing that we're trying to do whatever we can to get out of those, right? Like whatever it looks like, just getting busy, trying to run away from it or numbing the pain in some way, whatever that looks like. And um, my encouragement would be to stop and be still with God. Like the song that we sang this morning, um, even when I don't see you, you're working. Even when I don't feel you, you're working. God is there, God is beside you. God is there with you in the darkness. And I think a good step is to just stop and, and begin to take that in. It's good. What I love about your story is, um, as we've already heard, just bits and pieces, you were in this dark season, but God, over a process, began to restore hope. He began to let the light shine back in, in these places that you probably thought he never would be able to have light in again. And so Kyle and I were talking about that. It's just this, pat, there's the pattern of hope being restored. And in Joel chapter two, Kyle and I were discussing that this week. You could see that pattern of hope being restored in Joel chapter two. And so we wanna share, there were three things, three steps to the pattern of hope. And can I say it this way? It's really in Joel chapter two, you're gonna find a pattern of revival. First, it was a personal revival, and then it's a corporate revival. So I wanna share these for the one that may be in the room that you, God has this pattern, and if you'll follow this pattern, God can restore hope to you. He can revive you, but then there's a corporate setting of that where we're gonna watch, I believe, God continue to have this pattern of hope restored to us, pattern of revival to us. And in Joel chapter two, here's the first step in this pattern, and it's true of your story as well. The first step was, number one, repentance. That was the first step to hope being restored to where the light could shine back into the darkness. You see, the enemy wants us to keep things in the darkness. But the moment we let the light shine on it, and that comes through repentance, the light gets to shine on it. That's when we give permission for God to come in and begin to restore hope. Joel chapter two says this, verses 12 through 13. This is what the Lord says, turn to me now while there is still time. That's a scary verse that all of us have to really take seriously. In fact, the prophet in this moment, based off the word of the Lord, he's saying that there's only so much time. None of us are promised a certain amount of time. And he says, turn to me, repent now, come to me now, give me your all now while there's still time. And I'll just say this, prophetically speaking, church, we are in a season of the last days. Jesus is coming and Jesus is coming sooner than you think he is. And there's this moment that God's gonna grab his bride, the church, and say, turn to me now while there's still time. We're not promised tomorrow. And the prophet says that and he says, give me your hearts. 
Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to angry, and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. And the first step in this pattern of hope coming back, if you're in a dark place, it's repentance. If there's something that just needs to be repented for, man, God, that gives permission to God to come in and start restoring hope. Yeah, I love um, this pattern of uh, revival, bringing dead things back to life. And so just to remind us, if we find ourselves in a dark place, notice the first thing where we're going is the truth of God's word. How many of us know the Bible says that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path? If I don't know what to do, if I find myself in a place I don't know what to do, I don't know how to feel, I don't know how to think, I don't know what to do. I'm in a dark place I can't see. I go to the truth of God's word and, and I discover that the pattern of revival is repentance. And I feel like repentance takes humility, doesn't it? I gotta, gotta humble myself in the sight of the Lord and I have, repentance means to turn and go in the opposite direction. I was going one way, and I'm gonna repent, I'm gonna humble myself and realize I don't, I don't know better than God. How many know that we are plagued with this, this issue called pride? Yeah. Where we constantly think we know better than God. Don't we see that in our world? We're always gonna, we try to do things outside of God's plan and we pay the penalty and the price as a, as a result. And so humbling ourselves and repenting. And I love this verse because it's the only place in scripture where a prophet tells his, the, the people, don't just tear your garments, tear your hearts. Like, don't just go through the, the rituals and the religious part of repentance. It's got to happen on the inside of who you are. There's got to be a change in your heart that will lead to a change in your life. And so with that, that said, um, how, how did, what did repentance look like in, in your guys' lives? I mean, you find yourself in this dark place, you know, and, and shame, like you mentioned, and isolation and fear of what other people will, will think and... How do you repent in that place? Or from that place, I should say. The, I think the first step is owning. Owning what you did. Whatever that looks like, um, God knows. So start there. Have that honest conversation. Um, and then it's this whole concept of identity. If you know that your identity is I am a beloved child of God. Then from there, God brings forth the fruit out of your heart rather than you working and striving to earn God's love. You have that. You have that. And nothing can change that. Yeah, for me, um, repentance is an honest admission of my, of my place. So again, it's, it's kind of a, it's an inventory, like I mentioned earlier. And a lot of days can slip by without me considering where am I? But for me, repentance is, you know, I grew up in a very fundamentalist uh, Baptist church and there was a lot of, you know, um, guilt piled on us. And it was, what it did to me was it brought out this performance. Like I need to please God so that I can be okay instead of understanding that first before I step out of the bed this morning. I'm beloved, I'm the beloved child of God. And out of that place, now I can serve instead of serving to earn, right? So for me, 
uh, when I stop taking an inventory of myself, I get, I get away from where I should be. And it requires me to repent. For me, repentance is, and I can explain it best this way. Repentance is I'm going this direction, realize the mistake, stop, 180, head back the other direction. It's literally repentance. My brother was signing down here during the, the singing. The second step for me is surrender. You know, the sign I learned just a little bit ago for surrender is? That's it. When I find myself stopping because I've realized where I'm heading, turning back around, and then this complete surrender, there's not this uh, disappearance of all that's heavy or hard for me. It's not a Hallmark movie instantly. What it then becomes is an understanding that, okay, I'm ready to do this with you, Lord. Let's go. That's what repentance does for me. That's good. And then the book of Joel, after we see repentance, which is the first step in this pattern of revival, this pattern of hope, the second thing we see is number two, restoration. Restoration. Joel chapter two, verses 25 through 26 says this. It's one of my favorite verses. God says this, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. I wonder if you've ever lived a certain way, made a certain decision, or just had a trial in your life that stole something from you. Felt like this, something was taken from me or I gave something away that I can never get back. Well, scripture in Joel, the, the promise is, I can restore to you what you thought you could never have. I can restore back to you the years that you lost in the midst of that. And then it goes on to say, the young locust, the other locust, the locust swarm, the great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed, says the Lord. And in this, I just wanna encourage, I've, we really felt like this was a word for somebody today that you've walked through a season of darkness, maybe you're in a season of darkness now, and first is the repentance step, but then the next thing is anticipation that God can restore. You may have thought you lost years. Some, in fact, I just know some of those of you that are sitting in the county jail right now watching this service, and you're thinking you've lost a lot. You've lost time with your kids, time with your family, and as you sit there, I just speak this word to you. Thus saith the Lord that he will repay you for the years that the locusts have stolen. He, the, the point is he can multiply the fruit back to you that you lost in that time. We don't get the time back. I don't get to go back and relive those years, but... God can multiply the fruit of what I would have had if I would have been aligned with him in an instant. I can have that multiplication in my life. And so I just think that's a really important promise. The next step in the pattern of revival, the pattern of hope is this promise of restoration. Yeah, so speaking of restoration, you know, 20 years ago, you're finding yourselves in the most darkest, hopeless place. But 20 years later, how, how has God brought some restoration in your lives? Um, I, I want to say that it's, it's a journey. God's forgiveness is there, and that is the starting point. Um, it, you don't instantly turn into a Hallmark movie where everybody's bursting into song and dance, you know. Um, I have an issue with musicals because of that. <laughs> it seems so unrealistic, but anyway. <laughs> um, but it is, it's a process, it's a journey. It is that day in, day out, continuing to return to the Father. And what God has done for us um, as we have 
come before him in honesty and vulnerability is to restore relationship, um, bring deeper, richer relationships into our lives than we could have ever even thought possible. And then brought us to this place where he gave us this call to go to Alaska, open this place, create a place for pastors, ministry leaders to come and, and to, to get rest. Yeah, I, you know, as you're talking about things you've lost and how he's restored, you know, um, I know family, children. Like initially the relationships were severed, lost your families. And then I thought it was powerful how you talked about the relationship with your kids now has, is better than it's ever been. And only God can do that. I mean, how can you go through some of the most darkest moments of your life and now say it's better than it's ever been? Yeah. I just want to remind someone that today that maybe you feel you're like you're in the darkest place of your life. How could it ever, how could I ever get out of this? And here's a couple whose testimony of God's goodness and God's grace saying, there's places in my life that are better than they've ever been because of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that's true restoration. And then out of that, what you get to do and how he's used your brokenness um, and your story to help others experience restoration in their lives. Any th thoughts you wanted to add to that? Yeah, um, to me, restoration uh, is, it's a once and done. I've been redeemed, but it's also an all the time process that's really never done. So what that does for me is gives me an understanding that I don't have to be perfect today. I just need to be moving in the right direction. And uh, like, uh, as soon as the service is over and we say goodbye to all you folks, we're gonna change our clothes, we're gonna jump in the car and we're gonna head to Johns Island, South Carolina. We're gonna stop somewhere in West Virginia and uh, put as much time in as we can today. But um, heading that, Direction is generally going to be southeast, but we're going to be just following the road. And sometimes that's going to go up. Sometimes it's going to go down. Sometimes, you know, you're traveling south. Your your destination is south, but you see, look at your rearview mirror where the compass is, and it says north. And you're like, I'm not even going there. You're getting there. And so sometimes our days are like that. Don't let all of this just waylay your progress. You're heading in the right direction. And so restoration is a process. All that to say, uh, I'm. I'm not where I need to be, and that's okay. I'm not where I was, thank God. And I'm not able to do what I could have done if the brokenness in my life never happened, and that's awesome. Because that's a testimony to what God does. Uh, I work towards restoration by the surrender we talked about. God does all the work. God does all the churning in my spirit and draws me to him. And we get to talk about this with people. So um, when people come and sit with us in Alaska, we just kind of like, blah, we tell our story of brokenness and it creates a little bit of vulnerability on our part and they realize it's safe and we talk and we talk about restoration. And restoration is not always, I need to completely change my life. It could be just a little minor adjustment. Like on your golf swing, you know, if you're slicing, it's just a minor adjustment and it's gonna get worse before it gets better sometimes. Or it I feel never like, gets I, better. I feel, like, I feel like you know my golf swing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The third and final one we'll leave you with today of this pattern of hope, pattern of revival. There's repentance. There's the miraculous restoration process that God can do in our life. And then number three is this, outpouring. It's in the book of Joel here. Joel chapter two, verses 28 through 29 says, and afterward, after what? After repentance, after restoration has started, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. It's the power of the, the filling of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live a life full of hope, to live out in the light, to stay on the path that God's designed for us. We need filled with the Holy Spirit in that. And so I love that in Joel, God's promising us that he's gonna not only restore us, he's gonna pour out his spirit upon us. He's gonna give us the ability, the supernatural ability to follow him with all of our life and strengthen us. And I, I, again, I just know that this is a word for personal revival. So if you're in this place, these three things can happen in your life, but it's also a corporate word. I believe in 2024, this is the pattern that we're gonna see in this house. And that is repentance, restoration, and outpouring. Repentance, restoration, and outpouring. We're, out, we're saying, come Lord, do it. Do it here. And so um, we're encouraged by that, but I, I want that to encourage you personally. That's a word for you personally too. Yeah, and I did, if you could bring that that passage of scripture back up real quick. I just wanted to, to point out the beauty of this, this verse that we wouldn't miss it. Uh, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And the, the prophet Joel is saying something incredibly profound in this one statement. He's saying it's not just for the men, but it's for the women too. Back then, the, the, the men got, got to be with the Lord and, and he's going, it's for the women too. It's not just for the old seasoned rabbis. No, it's for the young men too. And it's not just for, for the landowners and those who seem to be successful and have a high social status, but it's also for the servants. Other versions say slaves. He's basically saying, no, it's for all people. Everybody say all people. And how many of us know sometimes when we find ourselves in a dark place, we think we're not all, those all people. So somehow we're not in that category. And God said, no, 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 no. If you're a man or a woman, if you're young or, young or old, if, you, if, you, if you're a landowner or a servant, if you've messed up or if you get everything right all the time, if you're batting a thousand or you strike out every time, my spirit is for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It only matters where you're going. What a beautiful promise. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. A promise from our heavenly Father, and, and at kind of closing uh, in your ministry, I just was, I was thinking of, um, you know, at the respite, what, you know, just maybe one way, maybe one story, or maybe not a long story because we're almost out of time. We could be here all day talking to you guys, and I know we've just scratched the surface on your story, but you had even shared about uh, with me um, a few months ago about how some Navy SEALs came out to the respite and just. We're able to take a breath. I just, what are some ways that you're seeing God's outpouring upon uh, your ministry? Yeah, you're right. We could go on uh, for a while. And, um, but we, so for me, where I see the outpouring of God is when I live in a sense, with a sense of expectancy, like paying attention. Uh, because when I get my head down and I'm doing my own thing, I miss it sometimes, a lot of times, all the time. So when you live with a sense of expectancy, what's God doing now? Where is God working here in this, even though it's hard? And having those kind of conversations with men and women is, is powerful. Because you get to hear what God is doing to them. It's, same, it's the same but different all the time. And so with these uh, Navy SEALs, you know, these, these gentlemen are going from tip of the spear, 20 or more years of 
things that we can really have a hard time understanding, wrapping our head around, and then they come home and next week you're taking your eight-year-old to ballet. That's a huge transition. So the organization we work with helps these gentlemen transition between active uh, duty and just being a dad. And uh, they are really, this organization is concerned with the overall well-being and they've tasked us with the spiritual well-being of these men who have served. And we've had, we have some amazing conversations and uh, we're looking forward to having more this coming summer. We are 100% booked for summer of 2024. Let me tell you something, that is an outpouring. Yeah. So like, <laughs> holy moly's. God said to Dave and Linda separately, do this thing. Dave and Linda separately said, okay. We came together, we said, okay, we're going. We have no sending organization, we're just going. And we've been praying from the beginning, God send us people, people who need rest, who need restoration, who need hope, people who can help us, and God, we need money. And God has outpoured over and over all of those things. We see it all the time. So, I mean, if God can do it for this clown, you guys are in a great spot. Pay attention today. Live expectantly. God is on your side. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And thank you guys for taking the time to share your story. Thank you for what you do and how you've allowed your vulnerability to, to bring restoration to others. And so, um, you know, church, we, we, we support the respite at Halibut Cove. Uh, we supported them in our 2023 legacy offering, and we're going to continue to support you guys in, in 2024. And so part of our giving is, is next week is going to your ministry, but uh, it's, a, it's an honor. We count it an honor and privilege to sow into you. Um, you know, I had a mentor tell me one time years ago, uh, when they sowed into us here at Experience Church, and I said, man, why would you sow into us? He said, because I want to bless what God's blessing. And I would just share that same thing with you guys. We, we, we counted it a privilege to be able to sow into you because we want to bless what God is blessing. And we believe in you guys. We, we appreciate your humility, your vulnerability, and the example that you have set. And so thank you for, for doing what you do. Can we honor them today? Thank you, guys. Bless you. So good. I hope you are encouraged, believing that God would speak to you. And I just want to close with this passage of scripture from the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2, verse 32 says this, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall and will be saved. I mean, there's a name that's above every single name that has the power to heal, that has the power to deliver, that has the power to forgive and the power to set free. Amen? So good. Well, let's, let's pray together this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for how you love us. We thank you for how you believe in us. God, nobody loves us the way you do. Nobody stands beside us the way you stand beside us. No, nobody loves us the way you do, God. And we're just reminded today of how, of how your love never fails. Thank you, God, that in spite our struggles, in spite our mistakes, in spite our shortcomings, you still love us, you still believe in us, and you still have a plan for us. And as we're praying together today with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're in that place where you need to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. 
Maybe you would say today that you don't have a relationship with God. You, you know about God in your head, but you don't know him in your heart. Maybe it's because of choices you've made. Maybe you've never felt good enough for God, or maybe you've just never had the courage to say, here's my life, I surrender like Dave talked about today. Here I am, God. Here's my heart, what you always wanted. I wanna give you that opportunity because it was the best decision that I ever made. And it gave me a life I never thought possible. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you need to make that decision, maybe you're watching online, to surrender your heart to Jesus, to have a relationship with him, would you lift your hand as a sign of surrender to heaven? And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? God, thank you. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at, but loving me enough not to let me stay there. Thank you that you believe in me, that you have a plan for my life. Thank you for sending your son so that I could have a life I never thought possible. And today, in this place, here's my heart. God, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. It's awesome.